You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 14 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. Happy New Year! Happy, well, it's certainly a new year. I don't know how happy it is at this point. It's only like four days old and I'm beaten down. And World War III is about to start. Hey, Uh, welcome to the new year. Welcome to the new year. We're back, though. We're back. I bet people thought that that they got the best of us, that the conscience of the nation was no more. But we are back, baby. I feel good. Do you really think that people thought that? No, I, I, I don't think they thought anything. Especially during, especially during the break, where they were just like, "Yeah, I guess we're on break." Whatever. Yeah, they're Who probably cares? just on break. Yeah, I don't need to listen to these two assholes this week. <laughs> that's, at least that's what my wife said. <laughs> right. Tell me about it. So, how are you? How's everything? You know, the world is uh, exploding. Literally. Well, there's uh, anti-Semitism in New York. Oh my there's, god. There's World War Three about to break out in the Middle All East. All right, chill out. I think the anti-Semitism thing is very, very, very serious and very seriously disturbing. I think you on the World think War Three thing, don't I don't think, think we're going to have World War Three. No, I, I'm exaggerating about World and War Three. And I think, III, I but, mean, and Qasem Soleimani. There's you know, certainly an escalation that is about to happen in the region. No doubt. I mean, but Qasem Soleimani, let's, let's be real. I mean, there's some people on social media who's treating Qasem Soleimani as if he's like some speaker at the Aspen Ideas Festival. The guy was a killer, man. He's, the Iranians, based okay. on, the Iranians based on DOD estimates are responsible for the deaths of 603 American servicemen during I, the Iraq I, I War. Totally, and I totally injuries get of it. another thousand. I totally, I totally no, 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 get it. No, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. And, but the people that he's most responsible for killing are Arabs. Okay. Are Arabs. Hunt, it helped enable the killing of hundreds of thousands of Arabs, if you include the Syria conflict. So look, okay. not a good guy. The question is, you know, yeah. um, is the administration, and this has been a problem from the beginning, is the administration, have they thought through the have consequences they, no. of their action? You know, Clearly the answer to have they thought this through is no. Well, no. We don't know. They, you, can't, you can't tell me that they've thought this through because they haven't thought anything through. I, I mean, They have not you know, thought one thing through in the last three years. That's, that's right. So, that's right. Except <laughs> for the fact that now they have some time because the Iranians are not responding immediately. They're going to respond... Okay. They have, you know, a number but of different just, ways they could respond over a long period of time. So, are also, they understanding? I, are the Iranians understanding? No. Are, is is the Trump administration understanding what they're doing? Or are they chest beating? Is is well, the real question? Here's here's my question. Yeah. So for the last three years, we've been told that our intelligence agencies are the deep state <laughs> right, and the right. enemies the enemies of the people. Right, right. I mean, yes, of course, the but irony is now, lost. Right. But now, no, no, the intelligence agencies were telling us that they were that this is a really bad dude and we were preventing a, a future attack, an imminent attack in the future. So I just want to be clear. In this instance, 
Intelligence agencies, good. Right. However, whenever the intelligence agencies say something that Trump doesn't like, intelligence well, agencies course. bad. Of course. Right? You can't have it both ways. If you're going to, if you're going to wrap yourself in the flag now and say the intelligence agencies are in agreement about this, right. then let's also talk right. about that the intelligence agencies were in agreement about Russian interference in our I, election I, in 2016. You know, I, I heard the Secretary of State, um, <laughs> clips of the Secretary of State while I was going to the office yesterday. Yeah. And the exact same thought came to me. He said, you know, the intelligence agencies prevent, presented us with intelligence of an imminent attack and we uh -huh. went forward. Um, and I said that it, it was – I thought to myself, this is very surprising to me given that when the intelligence agencies say they have a high degree of confidence right. that the Russians interfered in the 2016 elections, it is deemed to be fake news. Right. I totally I totally get that. But let's look so, at – let's look at the Qasem Soleimani issue – but hold on. If Trump, had, if, if Trump had met with Soleimani and confronted him and Soleimani had said, I didn't do any of those things, <laughs> would he have accepted that at face value? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But let's look in isolation. Let's not – let's look in isolation at Qasem Soleimani. The, I don't think – It is I, a I'll very, do, very I'll difficult it. problem. It was a very I'll difficult do. problem to solve Qasem Soleimani because if you kill him like you've done, you do risk escalation. If you look at him as a problem to be managed, you're also risking continued escalation of violence around the Middle East. And you have to – there's no risk-free policy. You have to weigh the costs and benefits. And somewhere along the line yeah. – somewhere along the line, allegedly, the administration yeah. weighed the costs and benefits and said that the benefits were greater than the, than the costs. We'll just have to see. But there allegedly. is – but there's, I think a lot of the commentary is missing the big point of this is that – each time the Iranians did something and there wasn't an American response, it was a signal to Qasem Soleimani that he could act with impunity. And so it may very well be that there was, uh, there was something that was up and that there was an attack. I mean, he wasn't coming to Iraq. The, he wasn't coming point, to Iraq to, to go to a, a, like a, a party this weekend. He was coming to Iraq to meet with Iranian-affiliated proxies to figure out what their next move is against the United States. Or what their next move is in general in the region. Well, I mean, but they could the do that from Tehran. They were clearly coming to okay. Iraq for a specific so, reason. So we're essentially supposed to now believe that we're being told the truth. I'm not saying in that. This, in this matter. I'm not saying that. And I'm, I, my problem is that when you cry wolf all the time, eventually people are going to stop believing that there's right. a wolf. So the point is that we don't know. If they're telling us the truth anymore, because they've been lying to us for years. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying yeah. is that if you take a look at the problem that Qasem Soleimani presented to the United States in isolation, in isolation, that this was in fact, this was okay. in fact a bad person. This is actually a person who's worse than Donald Trump. I'm sorry. Okay. He's absolutely worse than Donald in, in a region full of terrible people. Uh, Qasem Soleimani was in the top five, if not okay, the top three. I, okay, okay I'm, I'm so, not disputing any of that, but so, the problem is that none right. of this can be taken in isolation that's, because that's, I think what that else that's, is, that's a valid point. What else is going on right now? Trump was impeached before the, right. the new year, right? And <clears throat> so, could this be a distraction? Could this be a wag the dog scenario? We don't know the answers.
And the fact that we're asking these questions and there is a degree of doubt that exists to the extent that it does is a big problem. It's a big well, problem. Look, there's there's going to be any time any time the country undertakes military a, a military action. One, yep. there is always risk, and two, the look I- intelligence is rarely foolproof, right? It is a series of indicators that are put together that uh, form a narrative that makes the most sense. Correct. So yeah, I mean, look, the administration doesn't have a great track record. When it comes to obviously that's, telling the truth on things, but I, I have a hard time getting myself worked up about the death of Qasem Soleimani. I, ju- I, I just think, do. I, I think that there's. I think that there's. I, I think. I don't think. I don't think that it's binary like that. I I think that you can you can say yeah okay they got rid of this guy but. I don't buy the story that they're selling, and we know but that it, it's in the past. As if it's so. Listen, the intelligence was ginned up leading up to Iraq. Well, was it not? Absolutely. So when Colin Powell got went to the UN and presented his case, he actually there was a narrative that he was telling, and right. it turned out to be untrue. Right, but that was a narrative. That was I think that was somewhat different in the fact that that was something that the administration, like <laughs> it, it, what what this administration is claiming. And, you know, there's every reason to question Not it. Not give them the benefit of the right. doubt. Right. Is that the intelligence community is saying that this was an imminent threat. What okay. the Bush, what we now know the Bush administration did was said, we don't like the intelligence that you're giving us that is raising doubts about Saddam's yeah. WMD. So we're going to go about it in an entirely different way. We're going to go find the information that suits our narrative best. Both are bad. Don't get me wrong. Right. Both are bad, but it's okay. a it's, it's a somewhat so, different thing. The, I, the I irony, agree. the irony, is yeah. exactly what you pointed out, which is that when the president doesn't like what the intelligence community says, it's fake news. When he does like this, he pulls the trigger. So I think that that's the the crux of the issue. So if we're going to say, if you want support for this, if you're saying that we're depending on the what the intelligence agency what the intelligence agencies are telling us. We're relying on this. Okay, if you want us to buy that, then you now have to start investigating what happened in 2016 with Russia. Look, it's fine. I think that that's a, I think that that's a fine argument. But once again, I find it hard to play politics over Qasem Soleimani, the guy who was the mastermind behind the... the, the Explosive devices that were particularly deadly in Iraq. I'm not disputing any of that. I, I know. Listen. So, but but the fact of the matter is, is that I find that people. I'm not saying you are. I'm, I, yeah. I find people are, and this is just the nature of the situation that we're in. Broadly speaking, is that we don't really have a foreign policy any longer. We just have politics. So something happens, and everybody moves into this mode where they are going to. Defend their team no matter what. Right, exactly. So let me ask you another question on the same topic. Yes. Let's say... And then I want to get to anti-Semitism. Let's say we hadn't ripped up the agreement that we had with Iran, uh, the nuclear agreement. Let's say that we had taken a different approach to diplomacy with them from the get-go. Could this have been avoided? Oh, I think undoubtedly the case. 
I mean, this, so, this, there's, it's, it's undoubtedly the case that the administration, because the president doesn't really have a strategy other than kind of muscular words and doesn't yeah. hasn't really defined what it is that he and the administration want, that we are in this situation when we don't have to be in this situation. We don't have to. We, we don't, don't have, have to be. To be. The, the problem is you can't yeah. – this isn't, this isn't the first Superman. You can't go and fly really quickly around the Earth in space and reverse time. Right. So but here we I'm, are. But okay. So here we are. But what I'm saying is we're now supposed to get in lockstep behind no. this idea that I this mean, is a bad guy and we killed him because of the bad things that he has done. But what it really is is a failure of our diplomacy. No, I, I, again, it's it's hard to. It is certainly the case. It is certainly the case that we are in a situation with the Iranians because of the strategic incoherence of the Trump administration. Now, it is also the case that the Israelis had Qasem Soleimani in their sights, as did the Obama administration have him in their sights. They made a set. These are this is a guy that people have seriously considered killing before. They made determinations that the cost benefit analysis that the costs were greater than the benefits of it. And no doubt, and the, and the <laughs> Trump administration made a different calculation if they made that calculation at all. Right, but, but it, no one is disputing. I think no one's disputing. No one's disputing the fact that we're in a situation with Iran writ large. That is of our own making. That there were yeah. other approaches to this. Right. Qasem Soleimani, though, is someone who strikes me would have been a target of opportunity regardless of where we were with, okay. with Iran. But, however, even if that is true, and I will take that as truth, had we had a – had we been on better footing with Iran and with the rest of the world than – the fallout from this kind of operation would be not quite as severe. Well, I, I think if we were in a different place with Iran, we, we probably would not have done this. Okay. Um, but if you're saying but, he was in our sights anyway. Well, I said I, what I said was that there were moments when the opportunity arose. Okay, and but, cooler heads always prevailed. Well, I think the I, I think with the Obama, with the with the Israelis, I think the issue was did they want to go headlong into a, into a conflict with the Iranians, given the fact yep. that the Iranians have helped Hezbollah develop an arsenal of you know over a hundred thousand rockets. That doesn't seem to be a, a smart move. I think yeah. Obama's goal was let's get this nuclear deal. Right. It'll help stabilize the region and then we can withdraw from the region and there won't be so – and we won't have to be there to manage the conflicts, the interregional conflicts. The, the, the president – you know, the, the President Trump has determined that that was the worst possible deal in the world and has put us in this situation. I do think though and I maintain it's somewhat div- – it's somewhat separate from the problem that Qasem Soleimani presented – because of the way in which he has taken advantage of uh, conflict, civil war, American missteps in the region to advance Iran's basically imperial interests around the region to the detriment of not just U.S. interests, but really mostly to the people who live there. Um, again, not, not a good guy. Um, someone who – he is – 
actually, as I said before, there is someone who is worse than Donald Trump, and that's Qasem Soleimani. Um, so uh, I, I think there's really no telling exactly what's going to happen. I think yeah. my only – and I think it's undoubtedly the case that the Iranians are going to respond – um, but I think a lot of the overall commentary about World War Three and that well, kind of stuff I mean, is really it's a little was, it's a little much. First I, of all, the Iranians aren't tough. ten feet tall. Uh, no, but they're not Iraq either. No, they're definitely not. They're definitely not Iraq. But you know, look uh, again. It's not Superman one. We can't return. We can't. Uh, we no, can't we have the situation. Now we have to. Now now it's time for the administration to be vigilant. So far, I have been unimpressed with the administration's approach to anything. So well, I mean, I don't, they do forgive me for forgive me for not trusting them now. I, I I think I think everybody is right not to trust them, and I think you know things like oh, we'll brief you on Tuesday um, fuels suspicion. This is what's happening with Congress. They said you know the Congress. How about the, how about the fact that he told people at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend that this was going to happen? Well, I is think that, that does that bother you that he told people who are not cleared to have this type of information. Yeah, yeah. that's been going on from the very beginning. Right. I mean, exactly. when they when they lobbed fifty nine missiles at the Syrians for using chemical weapons, he was sitting yeah. in Mar-a-Lago and telling everybody all this nonsense. Right, of and course. that's essentially the same thing that happened now. He said something big is gonna is about to happen. Right, but so no, no, no. I think more to the point and more concerning is that they did this. They said we have this imminent. Threat. Yeah, threat. The Congress yeah. said, "Okay, you know, we're willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Show us the information, and they can pull that thing together." You know, they did yeah. this when? What day was it? Today is Saturday, so they did it yeah. Friday, Thursday night, or Friday night, Thursday night, yeah, our Thursday. time, yeah. Thursday afternoon, early yeah. morning hours. Friday, they, they yeah. could have done that yesterday if it was right. So why is it going to take four days? To put this together so that, you know, it fuels suspicion among members of Congress and the public that, you know, they're now like putting together something that will make right. it seem as and, as and it's he the case. Didn't, and he didn't bring in any of the Democrats in Congress or the Senate to brief right. them beforehand. Although right. Lindsey Graham right. seemed to know about it before. Right. But nobody That's right. again, if you want to if you yeah, want to try to build a, a bipartisan bipartisan support. You have to bring the opposition well, in. Well, that is the thing. I think no one, no one in the Congress, no yeah. one in the Congress. I don't care where they where where they stand on these things. Would um, would would regret the killing of Qasem Soleimani if the administration had done this in a way in which there was a process in which they, they informed the members of Congress, laid out the case and said, this is why we think this is a good idea and this is why we're taking I don't think but anybody they, would have argued with that. But they didn't. Right. But they and didn't. so that, and, again, it fuels it fuels suspicions. Yeah. Uh, so that's so right. I, but think it, people, I, I think people can be forgiven for not believing what's going on. I, I, I'm not arguing with that. All, the only point that I'm making is that Qasem Soleimani was a really bad dude, <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I'm not that shedding does, a tear. That does seem to be the only point you're making. I t- am not <laughs> shedding a tear. I think that the world I'm is probably looking. in the long run better off without Qasem Soleimani than with Qasem Soleimani, uh, and that um, I'm, I'm having a very hard time 
getting spun up about this the way in which other people are being spun up. Well, I think there's going to be – I think what's done is done and that we have to be vigilant. In, in now we have to deal with the fallout. Right. Now we're going to have to deal with the fallout. Right. So. I think that that's a much more productive conversation than you know carrying on about what's done is done. You know, okay, yes, you can think that the administration was really, really stupid for doing it. But again, what's done is done. We're wa- wasting all this time and energy on but freaking mean, out about it. Okay, but meanwhile, we're now increasing our troop presence in the region. Uh, so yeah. So that's a big well, that's, deal. That's not insignificant. Well, that's part of the problem with this administration about not having a process, not working across the aisle on crucial issues like this. Uh, and that, you know, the administration says one thing about ending endless wars and yep. then, and then deploying okay. <laughs> 4,200 4, more soldiers to, to the region. So it's, yep. there's all kinds of – look, I'm not defending the Trump administration. I'm just saying that – and there are all kinds of reasons to question everything that they are doing. Every except, single thing. Except I have a hard time shedding a tear. For someone like Qasem Soleimani, I just I it just. But I, again, I, I mean, I, I, the I social media commentary on this, like you think the guy was a, a guest at the Aspen Ideas Festival? It's well, unbelievable. Again, because I don't, I don't participate, I don't partake in the Twitter, so I'm not part of that, you know, breastfeeding about Qasem Soleimani. But I am concerned about the decision making process and about how far they thought this through, and. I just I don't have a high level of confidence that they that it was given the proper uh, consideration. And from and I think that's I think that's right. From the very beginning, there's been a problem with for every action, there's a reaction. Yeah. It, you know. And yeah. so, but and the other thing is, is that there's this, is strategic incoherence. That you know, what is it that we want? We we want to get out of the Middle East. We're deploying new troops to the Middle East. We. Uh, don't want war with Iran, with Iran, yet we undertake these steps. Uh, I did, he undertook this step. He killed Qasem Soleimani because he was preventing a war. You know, it, it just, it, it's entirely unclear. At one point I sat down and I was able to figure out that there were basically seven different policies towards Iran, none of which were clearly identified with the administration, but with factions within the administration. So it's, uh-huh. it is a huge, it's a huge problem. Um, and so what do you think our friend uh, Putin has to say about this? I, you know, it's, I think it's unclear. I think obviously Putin uh, has a relationship with the Iranians. It's not yeah. in lockstep. They're on the same side when it comes to, when it comes to Syria. Um, I don't think that this is something necessarily that he can exploit with regard to Iran, but it may be something he can exploit with regard to Iraq. Um, I, my sense is we're going to get kicked out of Iraq. Um, not yeah. necessarily a bad thing, but that it may well. be something that Putin can exploit. But you know what? You know, I was in Iraq in mid-December. This is not, this is not something that anybody wants to take responsibility for. This is, a, this yeah. is a, a, an unbelievable disaster, catastrophe, failed state. So, you know, so you know, if Putin wants to come in and, and and position himself as a leader who can get things done in Iraq, God bless, he can have it. As far as I'm concerned. Well, 
I think we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen. But I'm not anticipating a lot of good news coming out of the region in the near future. It's probably not going to be great. But I wouldn't. I actually, I think that you have to think beyond the region. You know, the Iranians have a reach into Europe. They have a reach into South America. They have a reach yeah. into Asia. So I think you know the again, one would like to have hoped that the administration thought these things through. They probably didn't. They probably probably, didn't. And now they're probably trying to play catch-up. Yeah, well, good luck. Um, Good luck with that. But I'm also not convinced that the sky is falling just yet. Well, we will wait and see what's going to happen. What is of, I think, grave concern is what's been happening in New York and around the country. Are you going to the march on Sunday? I am planning on going to the march on Sunday. I think I think our political leaders in New York and nationally have been, I think, actually pretty slow to... Uh, to, to respond to this? Yeah. I think Democrats in particular have been slow to respond well, to this. Yeah. Uh, I think... Because they're Hasids, and Hasids well, aren't progressive. Start, that's and, where it started. Yeah, it did start with, you know, in Brooklyn, Hasidim getting beaten up, and it was, you know, you can explain it away from here until the cows come home. Well, how, can, how are people reasons. explaining it away? You know, it's tensions in the neighborhood and gentrification, more people moving in and, you know, Wait, so the, the Hasids are gentrifying these neighborhoods? They're spreading, you know, they're yeah. growing. They're right. spreading out into the outlying areas right. and people are feel resentful. Right. So you could say there's an economic issue here. Right. And you can say that there was an issue with a school um, where Jews, Hasidic Jews, did not want to allow in a... Um, a school for kids who had uh-huh. failed the ninth grade and the community right. went at, went in and said, no, we don't want the school here because it's a threat to our safety. Right. So instead of saying like, oh, these are kids who need extra help, they're right. saying, no, these are thugs right. who are coming to our neighborhood. So, so, there's, so, so, the, there's hostages were, so the hostages were insensitive and, and for that they were getting beaten up. Look, I don't. I'm not. No, out I'm just. There. I'm just I, trying I'm to understand not, when people saying, explained it away what they were what they were trying to say. Essentially, what they're saying is that this is look again. I'm not making uh, rationalizations, or I'm not excusing uh, people's actions or inactions. I'm just giving you the context for what was going on and what people were saying were some of the underlying causes. So that was probably what led to a lot of the inaction, right? And then it got out of control. So what was the – what do you think – what do you think was the incident that flipped people and know. said, okay uh, – Oh. You know, now – you know, I think uh, Jersey Bill City. Bla- this, is, this was going on a year or so before Bill de Blasio really yeah. did – really Honestly, got – I think I think Jersey City is what flipped people. Not New York, not Brooklyn, uh-huh. not Muncie. Uh-huh. I, think it was Jer- I think it was Jersey City. The shooting. Why was it Jersey City? Because people actually died? Yeah, because somebody had a gun. Because yeah. this wasn't, and then of course in Muncie, when the guy came into the rabbi's house with a machete. Right. So then it's not just beating people up anymore. Now right. it's kill. Now it's killing people. Right. So I think that was the tipping point. So basically, so to people like 
de Blasio and his supporters and stuff like that. Beating people up is somewhat acceptable. I'm just just, playing this out in my head. I'm not saying that you defend it. I don't know a lot of de Blasio supporters. Okay. So That's right. Nobody supports to, De Blasio. But let's let's I think can't about speak it. To that. There yeah. are people. There are people like De Blasio who would who you know have kind of poo pooed the whole thing and said, well, you know, there's this and there's that and this and the other thing. So it's so for them, it's it's not okay, but it's acceptable that people are randomly getting beaten up on the street. I don't street. think anybody says it's acceptable. But they didn't I really go. They didn't. You know. I, I remember that there were people who were raising concerns about this for at least a year, whether it was in the forward, whether it was folks uh, on social media who were raising concerns about the random attacks on Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn for yeah. the better part of a year before okay. what happened in Jersey City. And there yeah. was seemed to be very little action on the part of – Authorities, whether at the state level or at the local level, and right. so and it could and it could very well be that nobody connected enough dots to say uh-huh. that there's a pattern here, that there's something else right. going on. And again, I'm not I'm not justifying this. I'm not making excuses for anybody. Right. You're putting you're throwing out an argument. I'm presenting what could potentially. Right. No, no, I understand it. So no, I'm not saying like, oh, I totally believe that right. nobody thought that this was. I'm su- I'm suggesting that they probably viewed these things as isolated incidents and not part of uh-huh. something bigger but there were, and, more I mean, ins- it, and more insidious. So, But these things were being tracked and it, I think it was clear that there was a, a, a sharp increase in these types of random attacks on the streets in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, again, they, people, I, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. I don't want to put words in, in – characterize the way anybody feels. But it does seem, looking at it from the outside, okay. that it was acceptable. It was not acceptable. It wasn't a again, crisis. It wasn't a crisis well, when Jews again, were being targeted with fists well, what and if then suddenly is, they were – What if What if it hadn't escalated? What if this low level of yeah, – uh, I don't think I'm convinced had, that had, they wouldn't have done anything about it. Okay, but would it really would it be a crisis? Would I think people so. getting punched in the face be a crisis? Yeah. Like because they were being targeted just because the fact that they were Jews. Yeah, I do think it was a crisis. It was deeply disturbing. I, those, you look at those videos; people are just being targeted for walking down the street because they happen to be Hasids. Look, uh, you know, Hasids may be assholes, but well, so walking down the street. Is not right, you don't know you don't know who's an <coughs> asshole and who's not. No, I I get it, but again, you know, with the with the benefit of hindsight and when the fact that we know that this has escalated to a point where it's out of control. I thought it was out of control is, before, and I was again, what's what's acceptable and what's not. Well, acceptable? I, I don't. I actually I don't think punching anybody in the face is acceptable at any moment, no matter uh, what. Happens. Really? Yeah. That's not true. You? That's not true at all. Oh, except for Nazi, Nazis. Nazis always get punched Nazis. in the face. Nazis. So there's an exception just, to that. Yeah. There's okay. an exception to that. So Nazis get punched in the face always. But, okay. Uh, but the Hasidic community was, again, they may be gentrifying. They may have raised uh, – they, they may have raised hackles uh, in a racist way about a school going into their neighborhood. Um, but – it seems to me that committing that that 
those are things that are not it, – it, it doesn't make violence against them acceptable. No. And that, that the that violence perpetrated against them specifically because they were Jews and they dress in a certain way, identifying themselves as Jews is particularly frightening, I think. Yeah. Okay, but it's no less frightening than – 11 Jews in Pittsburgh getting murdered. In a no, I, I think it's all part of the same be, phenomenon, which is why. I mean, I think, is it? Is this? Yeah. Do we see this all as as part of the same thing? I do. I see it as I see I right left. I think it's anti-Semitism. I think it's Jew well, hatred. It is. It is Jew hatred. It is Jew hatred. But, right. But again, so at the same time, while we're talking about 11 people getting shot in a synagogue in Pittsburgh or a woman getting shot in a Chabad synagogue in San Diego, where they're actually losing their lives. Right. Are we saying that that is the same thing as getting pushed well, in the face? I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is that as long as, as long as authorities don't do anything or yeah. make excuses for people getting randomly punched in the face in Brooklyn, it gives license to people to take another step. So, so maybe that is the point now where we are, where right. everybody realizes that okay, it's gone on, it's gone right. too far. Like I think, it's, I just think it's, I just think it's wrong at this point to say that the neo-Nazi right has a monopoly on violent anti-Semitism. I don't think anybody has a monopoly on right. violent anti-Semitism. That's exactly I, right. I mean, and so yeah. I think that's why I think that that's why I think that New York. Local leaders in New York were slow to recognize this problem okay. because because Hasidic Jews look different. They're not particularly progressive in any way, shape, or form. And um, it was easier to explain it away rather than to, one, yeah, provide think, the community with right. greater protection, and two – Go and find out why this was ha- why the people who were perpetrating yeah. it were perpetrating it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. But I also think that had it not escalated, it, it would not have. Which is really too bad. But I mean, I think that's the reality. I think that's the reality, and I think that that not it goes not only for Jews but in general that any group that's going to be punched, whether you're Jews, Hispanics. Immigrants, uh, members of the LGBTQ communities, there is a certain low level of violence that's acceptable against all of these groups, which is not saying it's right. I'm saying it's not right, but I'm saying that's the reality. But the minute that that crosses the line into murder, mm. that's when that's when the elected officials mm. will start to do something about it. Right. And you can't say that these other groups don't get punched in the face, too. And the people no, that no, 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 no. And the people I'm, aren't I'm getting harassed. That I, no, no. I'm just saying I, I feel, that, that it seems to be that we as a society are accepting a certain low level of violence against right. targeted groups. I, I think I, I just I, – and I, I think that's a really good point. I just think that it was you know, kind of sitting down here in Washington and seeing these things pop up on Twitter and other places yeah. and it, it, with like kind of a regular occurrence without – any kind of – with nothing really from local authorities, nothing, no no op-eds right. in the New York Times, right. no editorials in the New York Times about it, seemed to me that it was basically saying that um, Hasidics were fair game. 
Uh, I, that is certainly one way to look at it. It, did, it seemed it just maybe that's just a function of distance. Um, and I'm not saying that there are other groups that are targeted. Of course, that's of course that's right. The case. But, but what I mean, we spent you know is, two seasons of of the MN Corner talking about police violence against African Americans. Um, that you know never seems never seems to end. Um, I think it's I, I think you make a good point. It's part of. It's part of a problem related to all minority groups or all people who are defined as others. That yeah. there is that American society has. Uh, I don't know whether it has whether it, it it's, it's, it's acceptable. It has a tolerance. Whether it's tolerant or whether yeah. people aren't sensitive enough to the fact that those people are uh, are um, are subjected to violence. But of course, yeah. being. A Jew, obviously, the furthest Jew from the Satmars there could possibly be, I would guess. I'm, sh- still, I'm sure there's somebody further than you. But okay. Yeah. But, but, but still, right. it struck me at a core, you know, identity issue. Like, if they're going to do, you know, what? who's next? Who's next? You know, oh. do I have to worry about, you know, do I have to worry about the, you know, my daughter's wearing a Star of David? Yeah, uh, that's a fair question. Right? And I, look, on college campuses, you might have to worry, depending on where they're going to school. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. A, that is certainly an issue. Yeah. So neither side has a monopoly on hatred. Right? Anti-Semitism yeah. is a virulent illness that does not, you know, is not uh, specific to the right or the left. It, <clears throat> So so how's this gonna so how's this gonna go down tomorrow? Is it gonna be big? Is it just is it gonna just be Jews? Is it gonna be is it gonna be I don't know. You know? I think it's gonna be relatively big. I think there will be several thousands of people Mm -hmm. uh, marching across the Brooklyn Bridge tomorrow. I mean, and so it's from it's from so it's from City Hall to Foley Square to Grand Army Plaza or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Crossing Uh the bridge and going to Brooklyn. Uh Um, I. I can. I feel fairly confident that there will be thousands of people, based on the number of different organizations that are right. you know involved with this. I read. A, um, I read something today that's saying that there, there's concern that the hostages won't show up. That I saw that too. And right. I don't know. I don't know what because they prefer to pray rather than protest. Well, also, you know, given internal yeah, yeah, politics right. and right and left and religious and secular, right, and the fact that hostages wouldn't even consider me to be a Jew. Right. Well. Like they, don't so they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. I'm so much of a Jew that the rules don't even apply to me. <laughs> when people ask me, "Are you a practicing Jew?" I'm like, "I'm so good, I don't even need to practice." I don't practice. Anymore. I don't need to practice. I don't even need to practice. I just show up for the games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Oh I think God. we went. I think we went extra long today. Well, because we were, because we were, because we've been. We gone. had a lot to say. We had a lot to say. We always, I mean, we always have a lot to say, but we have been gone for a while. We had a lot to say. There's a lot going on. And, um, okay. yeah, we're back, baby. We're back. We're back. That's episode 14 in the can. See everybody. That's episode of 2020. 20. I can't believe it. All right. We're out of here. We're out. Bye.